So I know all of you know that today is the anniversary, September 11th. And all over the country, people are going through different things right now. How many of you know somebody whose life was directly impacted by what happened on September 11th? May I see your hand? Ah, several of you. I, I'm not surprised. I thought it would be that way. So it's been 10 years. And it's kind of weird because my youngest son is 11. So really, he didn't experience 911. He's one year old. All he knows about it is what he learns in history class. And yet, for those of us who are older who lived through it, it was a defining point in our lives. Those terrorists came to destroy. They wanted to tear down buildings and ruin as many lives as they possibly could. You know, in the world today, you got sheep and you got wolves. And you got wolves in sheep's clothing, but they're still wolves. You got shepherds, and on the other side, Jesus called them thieves. Maybe robbers or banditos would be a better word. Those people who came to attack our country did so in the name of their God. So this was a religious war from their perspective. Here's what Jesus said about those kind of people. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's why they came, to kill, destroy. We worship a God of life. They worship a God of death. We think saving lives is a virtue. They think taking lives is a virtue. Those people, their religious views are the exact opposite of ours. So here we are, 10 years later, what do we do? The Bible says don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. They came to tear down, I want to build up. They came to destroy our community, I want to improve our community. So this morning, by the time this lesson is done, I'm hoping we're going to take 911, and what was meant to be a bad thing, we're going to, for us, at Book of Life Community Church, get some good out of it. Speaking of building, I want to tell you a story about a building, this one. This used to be Palo Verde Baptist Church and school. They started somewhere around 1930 in the dirt lot right across the street. They grew. They built that building over there, which is now our gymnasium, but it was their sanctuary. They came around 1960, built this as their sanctuary, turned that into the gymnasium, added the classrooms because this was also a school. And it impacted many lives. Everybody knew about Palo Verde Baptist Church. I've run into so many people in Tucson to this day who said, hey, I went to school there. Or my kids went to school there. Oh yeah, I know about that place. But over the years, as often happens, ministries start to decline. And they need to be reborn or they will die. There's books written about it. It's just the way it goes. Well, about... Six years ago, I was leading Congregation Bethsar Shalom, which I still lead. It's our sister church, meets here on Saturday mornings. And I felt the desire to start a non-denominational church in addition to the Messianic community we had going. I wanted to reach more people. So we started Book of Life Community Church. And it was a slow start. In fact, after about a year and a year and a half, I was sitting down with a... Uh, 
pastor in town here, and I said, you know what, I'm about ready to quit. It's just not working. And he said, Steve, in Tucson, you got to give a ministry two years before you know whether it's working or not. And I respected the man, and I said, okay, I'm giving it two years. And it was somewhere right about a year and a half, then all of a sudden it's like everybody heard the church was here, and it started to grow. And the building we were in that we shared with Bessar Shalom, Bessar Shalom was already getting too big for the building. And Book of Life, we knew, was going to be too big for the building. One of the leaders of Congregation Bessar Shalom, a uh, retired missionary and doctor, and he would do guest speaking here at Palo Verde Baptist Church. Well, they, he knew the church wanted a new pastor. He knew our churches were expanding and needing a new building. They had all this room, but they didn't have a pastor or the people because by this point they were down to about two dozen people. So he said to the leadership, he said, listen, you're a, a building without a people, and we got a people who need a building. How about we bring the two together? So I got a phone call. I said, Steve, not making any promises, but this is the situation. There's a church that's kind of declined, needs more people, needs a pastor. You're a group that's growing that needs a building. How about you get together and talk? So sure enough, made the phone call, got together and talked, and over several months, the leaders of Book of Life and the leaders of Palo Verde Baptist Church started to look at our futures together to see if we could possibly do something together here. And it was agreed by both congregations that we would merge. We absorbed the remaining membership of Palo Verde Baptist Church and Book of Life Community Church moved over here. From Book of Life's perspective, this amazing facility, which was built by saints of God starting in the 30s and became this massive thing, was given to us. Here's the keys. Cost us not a nickel. Who gets a facility like this to do their ministry like this? It's an amazing, an amazing thing. And some of those people from Palo Verde Baptist Church are still with us today in these services this morning. And they did a brave thing because a lot of churches, most churches, I forget the statistic, but I think it's well over 90% that hit that place, they just disintegrate. But they had the vision and the foresight for a rebirth. And God has done a great thing. Well, I'm going to talk more about this place a little later. But I'm talking about houses of worship. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, we were in the place where King David wanted to build God a house of worship. And God told him, no, and I'm going to build you a house. And we spent all morning talking about the house that God promised to build him. But what about the house David wanted to build? We're going to talk about that. But they already had a place of worship. Even though David wanted to build a place of worship, they already had a place of worship. Granted, it was about 500 years old, but maybe it needed a, re a remodel. So I'm going to take you to the very first house of worship for Jewish people, Israel, in the Bible. Please open your Bibles to Exodus. Exodus. <laughs> Exodus chapter 35. Exodus. I must be part Texan or something. I don't know. Is that how they, how, how would you say that in Texas? How, can you spell that out for me and send me a note? Exodus, maybe like that. I don't know. Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 and 5. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord, everyone who's willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. Now jump down to verse 10. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent, its coverings, clasp, 
frames, etc., etc., etc. Jump down to verse 21. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for all its sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Now, we don't do wave offerings in our culture today, but basically it's like elevating the thing you want to give to God and parading it before the heavens, saying this thing here, God, is for you. So they, they took their, their rings, because I'm of, I'm of the belief that they just didn't have bars of gold sitting around in their tents. The gold they had was made into stuff. Necklaces, rings, maybe even idols. They might have had some idols. Read the history, they probably did. So they just started taking their gold, giving it to Moses so they could use that stuff to build the tabernacle. Well, the craftsmen are building and they're fashioning and they're making, but they left their work to go talk to Moses as a group. What's going on? Why are you guys quitting? Chapter 36, verse 4. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Stop! It's enough already! That was about 1500 B.C., and no church has heard those words since. <laughs> you know me. I, like, I look at things from a different perspective. What really got my attention in this story wasn't, wow, they gave more than they needed. That gets everybody's attention. Of course it got mine. But who were these people who were giving more than was needed? These were bad people. These were people who wanted to stone Moses and go back to Egypt. These were people who worshipped the golden calf. These were the people who refused to go into the promised land. These were the people who grumbled about the food and the water. These were people God said because of their faithlessness, they had to die in the desert. And they gave so much, they had to be stopped. Now, how is that, that faithless people can do that? I don't know. I haven't seen faithful people do that. That's what blows my mind about that part of the story. They were passionate about getting that house of worship built, even though they weren't fully committed to God. They were only partway committed to God. So it's an amazing story in and of itself. Well, like I said, that was around 1500 B.C. The children of Israel had no permanent home yet. They had to wander around, so they had a portable church. Wherever they went, it went with them. Well, finally, they got a king, Saul. Saul messed up. They got a king, David. David's doing great. David builds this huge palace for himself, and he feels wrong. He says, it's, it's not right that God has given me this beautiful palace, and he's got a tent. i got to build God a temple like the world has never seen. And he starts drawing out the plans. And he goes to Nathan, the prophet, and says, I want to build this temple. Nathan says, hey, man, go do it. And then God said, whoa, not so fast. David's not going to build me my temple. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. King David rose to his feet and he said, listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had in my heart 
to build a house as a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I made plans to build it. But God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you're a warrior and have shed blood. Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon. He said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Could you imagine hearing those words? First time anybody in the Bible was called God's son. David had tons of sons. God specifically said, Solomon's going to do it. Let me tell you who Solomon is. Solomon was the son of Bathsheba. So David commits adultery, murders a man, ends up marrying Bathsheba. Their first son together died as a consequence of his sin. The next son God chose is the next king of Israel. Let me tell you, when God forgets, God forgets. When God forgives, God forgives. You know, if this happened today, David would have been thrown out of ministry. Bathsheba would have been thrown out of ministry. And no way is his illegitimate son going to be our leader. David wrote half the Psalms and remained the king of Israel after his indiscretion. This is not to give anybody freedom or license to sin. God hates sins. First son ended up dying, and chaos fell upon the family. Bad times. But God forgives, and God forgets. And he specifically chose Solomon to build him the house. David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God is with you. Now, David wasn't able to build the house, but he did write the plans. And he started to collect timber. And he asked for an offering from Israel to build the temple. Then the heads of the clans, so all the families, the officials of the tribes the commanders of the army, and the administrators of the royal property volunteered to give the following for the work of the temple. 190 tons of gold, 380 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. Those who had precious stones gave them to the temple treasury. The people had given willingly to the Lord. And they were happy that so much had been given. King David was also extremely happy. I'll bet he was. Hey, guys, let's take up an offering and build God a temple. Now, there's nothing in here that said he told the people to stop. But when you realize how much they gave, they gave way more than enough. Way more than enough. So my wheels were turning. How much did they give by today's money standards? 190 tons of gold? I did the math. I went with $1,500 an ounce. Now, when I wrote up this lesson, I went online. It was over $1,800 an ounce, but I know gold's doing this. I decided to pick a lower number, an even number, $1,500 an ounce. So one pound is 16 ounces. One ton is 2,000 pounds. So one ton is 32,000 ounces. I took 32,000 ounces times 190 which gave me 6,080,000 ounces, did that by $1,500, and the number is $9,120,000,000. Just in the gold, not to mention the silver, the precious stones. 
What could you build today with $9 billion? There are countries that don't have budgets that large. This is a massive amount of money. The temple ended up being lined with gold. What else are they going to do with it? It's too much. Could you imagine walking into this church and all being lined with gold? That's insane. These people wanted to honor God. And boy, did they. David, you, you can almost hear his voice trembling in what the scripture says. He's praying to God and he goes, Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. We've only given what has come from your hand. Now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given you. So when they went to build the tabernacle, Moses had to tell them to stop. That's too much. When they went to build the temple, remember, David didn't build it. He just collected the money. Billions of dollars worth of money. There's not a structure on the planet you can't build for $9 billion. Amazing. Well, as often happens, the temple in the days of Solomon was a, a, was a wonder of the world. It was amazing. But the people turned their backs on God, and it became neglected. 150 years later, it was broken and fallen apart. It hadn't been maintained. Because the kings weren't great kings. But finally, a good king arose. And he looked at the temple. He said, this is shameful. We've got to do something about this. His name was Joash. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years of Jehoiada the priest. At the king's command, a chest was made and placed outside at the gate of the temple of the Lord. I have no idea what that chest looked like. But we got a chest. I have no idea how big his chest was. But everybody who came into the temple then saw the chest. All the officials and all the people brought their contributions, gladly dropping them into the chest until it was full. Then the royal secretary, the officer of the chief priest, would come, empty the chest, carry it back to its place, and they did this regularly and collected, and I quote, a great amount of money. We don't know how much, but it was huge. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money, and with it were made articles for the Lord's temple, articles for the services. So they took the money, they repaired the building, they took the leftover money and made the stuff you need to have worship. So many years ago, 1930, a bunch of godly, faithful people built up this church. But over the years, it began to decline. And now we've got a new thing going here. Now we've got to fix it back up. It's only the necessary and right thing to do. So I thought, as did some of the leaders, that September 11th would be the perfect time to announce our building campaign. They came to destroy and tear down buildings, secular buildings. Fine, we'll build up spiritual buildings. That's how we'll honor 9-11. So we're going to rebuild, we're going to refurbish, we're going to restore. When I first came here, and we knew this merger was going to happen, one of the first things I did is I took a clipboard and a pen, and I walked the campus probably three times with one of their deacons. I wanted to look into every closet. I wanted to look into every hole. I wanted to know where everything was, what everything was, and how it worked. 
when you new into a building, you got to know those things. The air conditioner goes off, uh, where's the switch to it? Things like that. Shortly in that visit and in other visits, I started to write down things I saw. Damage, broken, old. Met with the elders of Book of Life several months ago, and we said, you know what? We got to do something. So I presented my list, and they were like, whoa, too much, Steve, too much. Let's just, let's just choose 10. Let's just narrow it down to 10 things. Okay, we'll narrow it down to 10. Which 10? There's like 70 on the list, you know. Well, we want to pick things that are necessary, that will help with the services, that are visible, some small things, some big things, things that people can appreciate, and some things that are behind the scenes. We got together with Congregation Beth Sar Shalom, presented them the list, and said, now what are your thoughts? These are our thoughts. We tweaked the list together. I gave this message to them yesterday. After, right after the message, somebody came up to me. Oh, by the way, I told them the list. This is the list we came up with. Now, please don't do this to me because you'll just annoy me. Don't come up to me and say, Steve, why wasn't this on the list instead of that? Why wasn't this on the list? It's on the other list. Everything's on a list somewhere. We could only do 10. This is what the leadership came up with. First thing on the list we want to do is put a sign over our sanctuary that says Book of Life Community Church and Congregation Bethsar Shalom. Do you know how many people have driven by this sanctuary and told me we couldn't find you? Now, to me, it's pretty obvious. You're looking for a church. This pretty much looks like a church. But people don't want to go knocking on a door and not being sure. And they don't want to walk in and find out it's like, oh, I, this is the Mormon place? I thought it was Book They don't want to do that. So we want to put a sign over the door. That's first on our list. Second, we want to take one of those and put one on this side. I sat over there last week. I couldn't see the screen. I had to move. There's not a lot of seats that way. But it was funny. When we first came in, almost all the church sat on this side. It was pretty funny. It's, it's spread out since. We're a visible culture. I want better video projection. Elders do too. So we're going to put another screen and video camera over on this side of the sanctuary. Many of you have tripped over our broken sidewalks on either side of the sanctuary. In fact, one of the elders from Beth Sar Shalom said, I don't want to wait to the, do the building campaign. Here's $1,000, fix the sidewalk out of his own pocket. But that only fixed part of the sidewalk, so it's still on the list. Um, God was gracious to us. Both congregations came together, and we replaced the air conditioning in this building last summer. That wing over there, the one with the bistro and with the um, sunbeams room, they got all these old window air conditioning units and these old gas wall furnaces. We want to put in new heating, cooling, air conditioning units in the windows. So that's on the list. Um, our bistro has carpet in it, but it's not the kind of carpet that should be mixed with food, and it's been in there a long time, and it's, it's just nasty. So we want to pull out the carpet and lay down tile. See those lights up there? Have ever, any of you ever wondered why they're out? <laughs> and even when they're not out, they don't provide the lighting that we need for our video production and our TV and web ministry, and it's just kind of dark in here. Well, let me tell you why these lights are out. We've got this massive ladder, the biggest ladder I've ever seen, A-frame ladder. And if you get on the very top of it, you can't reach the lights. 
Somebody said, well, what about those little things you stick up there and spin? Yeah, well, those light fixtures, they spin with the spinner thing. <laughs> so they just spin all day long until you pop the wires off. We have seen people put that huge A-frame ladder on risers and change the lights. Well, Pastor Mike says, not on my watch. I'd rather be dark in there than somebody do that again. So somebody came up with a great idea. Let's get a cherry picker in here. Stage can't support it. We don't know what this thing can support. So the lights go out. Now, somebody from Beth Star Shalom and Book of Life said, we'll take the risk. We're going to change out those light bulbs. So by next week, they'll probably be changed out. Pray for these guys. <laughs> we decided we wanted stage lighting. So that's going to be on our list also. Speaking of it being dark in here, um, we like to, I often use video clips. If you're new with us, I'll often put video clips on the screen. When those things are out of the windows, it's hard to see some of my clips. So we like to keep it a little dark in here. But look at those things in the windows. Not quite best first impressions. So we thought putting up some nice wood blinds would give us the darkness we needed and it would look a lot better than it does. That's uh, on the list number seven, I think it is. We have an alarm system on the entire sanctuary. Um, by the way, it has been tripped. When we first came in, we were kicking people off our campus all the time. We were burglarized, we were vandalized. Not happening so much anymore because we're using the campus often now and word has gotten out that you go there, you're going to get busted. Um, alarm system is important for any business or building, but ours is old. In fact, it's so, we got multiple panels and the, large, the alarm company charges you per panel. So if we put a modern alarm system in here with one panel, it'll pay for itself in five years, and after five years, it'll all be money in the bank for us. Less money going out, money in the bank. So we want to update the alarm system. Not to mention, there's a lot of people we've wanted to give access to buildings, but we ran out of code room to let them have access to buildings. Um, our video production system, new cameras, things like that, to help us do better for our online and TV ministries. And the last thing on the list is to replace the evaporative coolers in the gymnasium. Um, we're blessed to have a gymnasium, but those things are duct tape, bailing wire, spit and prayer, man. And they get worked on every year, and they're not enough to cool the place anyway. So that's number 10 on the list. We estimated, this, this is phase one because we still got 60 things on the list or so, but we figured we'd start with something manageable. We estimated that doing this would cost $40,000. Not certain. We did get some bids for many of these things. So it's a ballpark, around $40,000. So our thought is this. If you want to see those things done, please donate to that project. If you don't, don't. One of the things I noticed in here was those who are willing. So if God has touched your heart and you want to see this gift that God gave us improved upon over the years, this is our first major project after last year's air conditioning, and we're going to do it. One piece of information, though, you need to have. Some people will, like, be part of a church, and they'll give their, let's say, $500 to the church every month. goes into the general fund. Oh, I want it to go to the building fund. Uh-uh. That won't work. It won't do us any good to refix fix the sidewalks and put in the blinds and have to turn off the electricity and fire the staff. So this giving has to be above and beyond anything you regularly give just so we can continue to function as a church in the process. Now check this out. Yesterday, right after I finished speaking, a couple came up to me. And they said, we're in for $20,000. We will match the rest of the giving campaign.
And then, of course, I said, will you also adopt me? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Maybe I will next time I see them. <laughs> so on day one, half the building campaign has already been designated. Praise the Lord. So what our goal is between today and Easter to get in the other $20,000. And while the money's coming in, we're going to start doing the work. We're not going to wait until it's all in. Okay? So hopefully within a couple weeks, we'll be seeing the first sign, which is the first thing we want to do. So it's between you and the Lord. We're not the kind of church that's going to keep nagging you or bugging you to put money in there. It's totally up to you. We will remind you on occasion of the progress we've made. Can I get the ushers in here? I want to give you the list of 10, just so you can go home and pray over it and think on it. Hello, ushers. Thank you. By the way, that's Randy in the middle there, the one that uh, Jose called Daniel Boone. And he's also the Randy I was telling you who's on the leadership team that helped our two congregations merge. So later on, you can pat him on the back and tell him thank you for giving us this amazing facility. So I just want you guys to pass these out, if you would. And while those are going out, I'm going to ask Dennis and Jose to come back on up. Close us in worship. <laughs>